Listeners, start your engines. Franchise Detours, episode 23. Rob here. Find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcatchers, as well as crookedtable.com. On this episode, Lauren Carey of the Beard Owl Podcast joins us to talk all things Pee Wee Herman, a character who has had led three different films over the past 30 or so years, none of which are connected other than Pee Wee Herman is in them. And so it's a little bit of a fun conversation to see how the connectivity of that character carries over from movie to movie, some wildly different from the other. Let's get into our conversation on Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Big Top Pee-wee, and Pee-wee's Big Holiday. Welcome to Franchise Detours, where we believe no movie series travels in a straight line. On this episode, we were doing a standalone journey through the Pee-wee Herman film air quotes, trilogy. And uh, to talk about this a pop culture phenomenon, I am honored to welcome to the show Lauren Carey of the Beard Owl Podcast. Welcome. Hey, thank you for having me back. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, sh- I you know, this, this episode has been sort of in the back of my mind for a while. I think we were talking about, I think it was the, the UHF episode of my show, I believe, or... Or Ace Ventura. It's hard to it's hard to remember at this point what comments were said when. But at, at some point we were talking about Pee Wee Herman came up, and Big Top Pee Wee. I think you mentioned about how how you enjoy that film, and I was like, I haven't seen that in forever. So I went out and bought it on DVD, and it's been sitting in, on my shelf since then. And so I I think I floated the idea of talking about Pee Wee. So I'm glad that we're we're finally making that happen. But for people that didn't hear any of our previous four conversations on either one of our our podcasts tell people all about the beard owl podcast oh for sure yeah so the beard owl podcast is the podcast where we talk about two of the greatest things in the world beer and weird owl and i our regular episodes it's me and my brother where we take a weird owl song and we pair it with a craft beer much like one might pair a wine with a fine meal And then every other week I have guests on to talk about special Weird Al topics. I'm sorry, there are very special episodes, air quotes. And you've been on two of those so far talking about various Weird Al movie related things like Weird, the Al Yankovic story, the original Funny or Die sketch where we predicted the movie that's about to happen. Yep. We did not predict Daniel Radcliffe, though. No. That would have been amazing if we had pulled that out of thin air. Yeah. No, I don't think anybody could have predicted that, but I am so here for it. And then we also talked about the uh, Huey Lewis American Psycho Funnier Die sketch with Weird Al. And yeah, so we do that and it's a really good time. I could I love talking about Weird Al and I love ha- the the joy that talking about Weird Al kind of puts into the world. So I plan on doing this for as long as people will listen and probably a little longer after that. <laughs> Are we still on the Weird Al every day? And what day are we on as of this recording? If so, We are. And as of this recording, we are on day 472. See, the Weird Al isn't just a musical artist. He's a lifestyle. And I love that, that your show has embraced that. 
Yeah. Well, we actually have a T-shirt made that you can f- actually get in our store. I had a lovely design because my brother said something on our show. Weird Al is not a phase. Weird Al is a lifestyle. So I have yep. like three or four T-shirts that say that. And I firmly believe that. And I will tell you what, going out into the world every day in a Weird Al shirt sparks some very interesting reactions with other humans, like interactions. And the vast majority of them are positive. You know, it's like, oh, Weird Al, like I love Weird Al or, you know, oh my God, I haven't thought about Weird Al in such a long time. You know, this, that and the other. The only ones I dislike are when people are like, is Weird Al still doing stuff? At which point, like I stand on my soapbox and I was like, is he doing stuff? He's doing all the stuff. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's Weird Al is a continuing pop culture force for basically our entire lifetimes. And I think the interesting thing too is not only is Weird Al still rolling, is that the UHF has actually a connection to Pee Wee in John Paragon, who, you know, passed away last year in 2021 and who's floated through multiple sort of pop culture for lack of a better term, characters, you know, we can call for, for this purposes, for the purposes of this, uh, this comparison, we're, we're considering Weird Al as a character, which he definitely is. But you know what I mean? Like Weird Al is the man, but he's also the, the, the myth, the legend in the same way that Paul Rubens is known as Pee Wee Herman and John Paragon, Paragon, who wrote both of the Elvira movies and, you know, Cassandra Peterson came out of the groundlings like Paul Rubin. So he's been in all three of those spaces. Elvira, another franchise like Pee-wee that lacks any apparent continuity and which I would, I'm hoping to do later this year on Franchise Detours to kind of complete that, that trilogy of John Paragon 80s kind of comedic icons. But, but yeah, so people definitely check out the Beard Owl podcast, go get that shirt. And uh, I love the way, by the way, that, that you have a show about Weird Al wearing shirts every day and then make your own shirt. It's like art imitates life, imitates art. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's, it's great. So we're cool. getting pretty deep at the end. Because we do also talk about beer in the show, I must say that in your honor as my Tampa area brother, I have Hialai from Cigar City Brewing for our conversation nice. today. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. Happy to hear that. So transitioning into Pee-wee, what is your what is your background with the character Pee-wee Herman? I feel like a lot of a lot of young people today might not realize what a huge deal Pee-wee Herman was, the character that started as a stage act and then led to a 1981 HBO special and then was kind of everywhere for a while, like his own movies and shows, but also just popping up in random cameos and talk show appearances. And just, he was, he was kind of ubiquitous at that point. So what was your, your introduction to Pee Wee Herman? Yeah, I don't remember my introduction to Pee Wee Herman. I don't remember not knowing Pee Wee Herman because the the first movie that we're going to talk about it came out in 1985 and that's the year that I came out and into the world from from my mom I got you thank you (laughs) and my mom that's the kind of humor that my mom is really into (laughs) so I, I think she said I was probably you know two years old sitting on the floor in the living room eating sun made raisins right out of the tub just watching Pee Wee all day. (laughs) whether the TV show or like the movie, you know, I just like consumed Pee Wee consistently. Oh, that sounded bad. But I, (laughs) (laughs) but like, like, you know what I mean? Like I was always watching Pee Wee and 
I had a Pee Wee Herman lunchbox. I would quote the movie constantly. And my mom to this day still quotes the movies constantly. So Pee Wee has always been part of my life. So I can't tell you how I got introduced to Pee Wee because I'm pretty sure I was born knowing Pee Wee. Yeah. No, I, my story is very, very similar. I'm, I'm a couple years older than you, but I, I was a toddler watching Pee Wee's Playhouse. I had the, I had the, I don't, it got destroyed over the years, but I had the Playhouse playset. So I still have some of the, 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 you know, cherry and some of the creatures in a box somewhere. I still have the Pee Wee Herman action figure that is not in the best of shape, but it still exists in my possession. So I was big into Pee Wee. I, I, the other reason that I wanted to make sure we talked about Pee Wee Herman is that Pee Wee Herman, like Ace Ventura, was such a formative part of of my childhood and my, you know, my sensibility and my humor. And Pee Wee Herman, my mom was actually born the same day, the same year in the New York area, which Paul Rubens was. So there, maybe say you separated at birth. I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make that call, but there's definitely... My mom and I are are definitely the ones that hold the the closest place for Pee Wee in our hearts. Like we've over the years watched the the Playhouse Christmas special a lot, and uh, you know she used to, we used to reference these movies a lot. So my story is pretty similar to yours. It's just he's just been a thing for the longest time in my life, and it's to the point that that when the internet came around and really blew up, I then that's only when I realized that the movie was the show is based on the movie, not the other way around. I think I always sort of assumed that Playhouse was a thing because I'm pretty sure that was my entry point and that Big Adventure was like the, the film adaptation of that. Where did you, did you, were you aware of the way that these came out? No, I, I too had assumed that it was the other way around. Yeah, because Pee-wee's Big Adventure, the first movie we're going to talk about, came out in 1985, obviously the directorial debut of a little filmmaker called Tim Burton, who would go on to do lots of big things, as we all know. Danny Elfman, I think this might be his first film score or among them. Yeah, I will tell you, when I was sitting and watching this the other day, I said out loud to my dogs, oh, crap, it's Danny Elfman. I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. It, it does. When you hear it now, knowing Danny Elfman's body of work, you're like, of course, this is Danny Elfman. How did I, how did I not place that over the last dec- few, few decades? But yeah, so my, my headcanon was always the playhouse is like where Pee Wee goes on the weekends to hang out near Puppetland or, or whatever. And then, and then this is where he lives, which, you know, not a bad setup Pee Wee has here, if that's the case. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. I, you know, I had it all backwards in my head too. Cause you think that's usually how it goes. You go from TV show to movie, not exactly the other way around. Right. Right. Or, or if you're, if you go from movie to TV show, you do like the odd couple style where it's completely different actors and they're sort of like, you know, giving it its its own spin, not that same performer kind of taking that act over. So yeah, that's the, the inception of this character and the way he sort of became a a children's entertainment icon in the in the late 80s it's is interesting because that stage show i don't know if you've ever watched either the peewee herman show the original or the the sort of revival that they did in 2011 they're not really for kids there's some innuendo especially in the first one what are your thoughts on how how do you how do you feel about the way that that character is sort of adapted here and what which 
What do you think of this version of Pee Wee, how he differs? I think, here's the thing. I think like whatever, what, whatever context you get the Pee Wee character in, there is an inherent like childhood innocence to him, even when the innuendo is, is flying. And I think it makes sense for him to be, you know, a children's entertainer because much like a lot of children's entertainment, there is stuff in there that's going to go over kids' heads, but adults are going to get. And I think that's really important in, you know, media that's made for kids because it it tends to foster like a, a family watching environment if there are mm-hmm. in-jokes for the grownups. And I think Pee Wee was one of the, uh, one of the, uh, one of the pioneers of, of doing that, you know, making children's entertainment that adults can also find funny in a different way. Yeah, I had a note of that as well. It's I, I really like the 1980s sort of children's air quotes children's entertainment because a lot of those movies, live action and animated, are really dark. You know, my wife and I every most Halloweens we try to watch Return to Oz because it feels like a Halloween movie to us. You have a pumpkin character in it and everything. You know, Never Ending Story and all that. There's a certain darkness to yeah. the children's entertainment in the 80s, and I think. I, you know, as a, as a now, as a parent, I feel like we, I miss that in, you know, I think children's entertainment now is so, so pandering to a certain degree. And, and I think it's, it's, it's good to challenge kids to have that little bit of darkness, that little bit of, of, you know, scariness to it, where you have something like large Marge pop up in this movie, which traumatized a generation of kids. And, <laughs> and, you know, the clown seek, like the kind of the, the nightmare sequence, things like that. I think that's, it's good to kind of, have a little bit of darkness in there and even in this these quirky environments because like you said it it it's it appeals to not only kids but then adults as well and the fact that there's a lot of double meaning to certain things you know peewee and simone sitting in the in the dinosaur and her boyfriend overhearing something that sounds a little bit naughty things like that like that i certainly didn't see as a kid and now watching it as an adult i'm i'm realizing just how sort of clever the uh, the storytelling is. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. Like one hundred percent. It it's it's good, clever storytelling, and I, you know, I love I love I love the entire Pee Wee output for for various reasons. And I mean, I, we're gonna get there when we get there. But I'm totally not gonna crap on Pee Wee's Big Holiday. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll definitely build up to that. And obviously here you get a lot of Pee-wee's big catchphrases. I know you are, but what am I? And uh-huh. is there a particular Pee-wee-ism or, or a quote or moment from this movie that, that you feel like is the quintessential Pee-wee Herman? Because I feel like in the in the zeitgeist, it's basically this and the and playhouse that that come to define who this character is in pop culture. Yeah, I mean, from this movie, most of my personal quotable lines are said by characters other than Pee Wee. Mm. And the first one is Pee Wee, the Buxtons are not thieves. And I don't know why, but it totally just became a thing with my mom (laughs) where, you know, like somebody would be accused of something and it would have nothing to do with anything. And she would go, the Buxtons are not thieves. <laughs> and, then, and then that was something that would happen. 
And then when I was, gosh, I was almost 13. We went on a family vacation and we went to San Antonio and we went to the Alamo. And I got yelled at in the Alamo for leaning on the wall because I was bored because it is not as extravagant as a tour as this movie makes it out to be. And I, I got yelled at by a staff person at the Alamo for leaning on the wall because it's made out of limestone and apparently leaning on it ruins it. But the one thing that is very quotable for me is, can y'all say Adobe? <laughs> And my brother and I, I think we've said that on our show, like totally out of context of this film. Like one of us will say abode, you know, and we'll say, can uh, y'all say Adobe? Adobe. <laughs> it's so, it's so, it's so funny. I, I really like, I like how sarcastic Pee is in this. I feel like the other the other movies maybe don't capture that quite as much because he's got a whole spiel in here about being a loner, we, we used to quote the, the I'm a loner, daddy, a rebel, mm-hmm. you know, that whole thing. We used to reference that whenever I, I think when I would complain about something or, or, you know, ask for something from my parents or whatever, they would like my parent, my, they would respond with, I love that story, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of, a lot of this that kind of permeated into my household as well. It's, it's, it, it, I, first of all, what is Pee Wee Herman's deal? Big question. I know. Is is he supposed to be a boy? Is he a man? Is there like what is the situation with that? Because I feel like this movie leaves it purposefully vague. But then when we get to Big Top Pee-wee, I have some thoughts about <laughs> about whatever the implications of that question are. Yeah, you know, I've never really thought of that. I mean, like I've always thought of him, you know, just like as a man with very like childlike sensibilities because he has his own house like there's no parents involved so he lives by himself with his dog or his pig if we're talking about the movies depending on the movie but you know i never like i i think he's just a childlike adult i think he's Mm -hmm. just you know he's the kind of adult that hasn't let go of that that childhood just appreciation for like the small silly things which Sidebar is something definitely to be admired about this yes. character is like def- definitely appreciate the whimsy, you know, and that's something that I like to take from Weird Al in appreciating the whimsy, you know, Pee Wee in appreciating the whimsy. It's like, yeah, you know, life doesn't have to be all serious. And like what you what you were saying a little earlier about how children's entertainment in the 80s was, you know, it had that little bit of dark. And I think Pee Wee having that little bit of dark really highlights the light of this character because you you can't, how do you know light if you don't know dark? Right. Yeah. So, and there there's a certain amount of wish fulfillment or, or fantasy that goes into, he's, a, he's an adult, but he's relatable to kids. His bike is his entire world. He's got this, this, this badass like Rube Goldberg machine that makes him Kid. breakfast in the morning, which I feel like we could have a whole podcast just about that. I was going to say, I need to talk about the Rube Goldberg device because number one, I am a sucker for a good Rube Goldberg device. Like yes. don't even get me started on playing the game Mousetrap. I love Rube Goldberg devices. And I think it stems from this movie and having seen it so many times as a kid, and what I like about this particular Rube Goldberg device is it doesn't work perfectly. Right. But... <laughs> Pancakes it, on the ceiling. It's, it's, yeah, it gets you like 90% of the way there. 
but it still works in the end. Like it still does what it's set out to do. And I think now I may be, I may be getting a little deeper than I want to here, but I think there's something to be taken from the, the Wee's big adventure Rube Goldberg device is like, yeah, you know, it's not all going to go exactly perfect, but in the end, you'll probably get the result that you like need. Yeah. Yeah, he gets he gets his his breakfast set up complete with the Mr. T cereal, which I think is is you know one of the only really really dated references in this yeah, movie. That and Twisted Sister, I guess. I mean that whole but you're gonna burn in hell. I mean that's so <laughs> funny. So because because the nuns. I mean at the same time you're gonna burn in hell, and then there's nuns in this movie, or and I'm like, oh my god. I forgot how much I loved this movie. And like the thing is when I was watching it the other day, because I haven't seen it in like at least a decade. I haven't really sat down and watched Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And it all came back to me. It was like, I literally had to eat comfort food while watching these because they're so comfort food movies to me. I was like, oh my God. I just, I felt like I was seven years old again. And it was magical. So thank you for asking me to do this because I had a, <laughs> I had a very pleasant evening watching Pee Wee the other day. No, it's it's that it's exactly what you said. It's that silliness that that kind of embracing the joy and the little things. And we used to have like ten minutes from from my parents' house. We used to have like a a little magic shop next to a Kmart, and I always used to ask my mom to go in there. And I think it's because of this movie. Because of all the little the little gadgets that I think his name is Mario has him go through the big ear and like the trick gum and all of that. So this movie kind of incepted in me an appreciation for that kind of humor. And yeah, I I, I love that that Pee-wee is is that's that's an asset for him. It's you know, he has this group of friends, he has he has Dottie that that's basically begging him to ask her out, and he's just too focused on his bicycle and his cool house. And, and again, as a, as a, that's, that's again, a very childlike thing. If you're watching this as a seven-year-old boy, you're like, yeah, ugh, girls, gross. You know, right. <laughs> yeah. you're like, I'm going to hang out with my bike. Look at the, look at this bicycle <laughs> and this cool horn and all these, these neat, you know, gadgets. And I'm going to go on an, on a big adventure. Who wants to be like saddled with, with Dottie at, at the bike shop? You know, that that's, it's, it's that sort of Richie Rich, or if you're a '90s kid, that blank check. If you've ever seen that Disney movie, yeah, uh, that that sort of thing. It's like, oh yeah, I can have everything I want, and no parents around, no adults, and and there's that element of that really uh, that really appeals to to kids. Plus, kind of in li- in line with a lot of '80s movies, comedies at the time, there's this whole kind of rich upper crust versus weird and quirky vibe that you get in UHF, in Elvira, in you know, Animal House and a million other comedies from this decade. You you get that here as well with the Buxtons trying to, you know, get a get one up or, or Francis, I guess, specifically Francis. trying to get one up. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. Trying to get one up on on Pee Wee. And <laughs> there's that underdog element to it as well. For sure. For sure. I don't know if you have this in your notes, but you mentioned Francis. And, and can we talk about how he bathes in a pool? Yeah, <laughs> with a bunch of toys and like a giant ship and like that's his whole thing. Yeah, and he's clearly also a grown man, you yes. know. And like he's clearly also a grown man. And oh my god, that whole bit where Pee Wee busts in on he's taking his bath 
And Pee Wee butts in and he's in this, you know, giant pool with these these like boats, these big, huge like model boats. And he's making them do like all the war stuff. And oh, my God, that whole scene gets me. But what gets me, you mentioned the trick gum. The the image of Francis chewing that gum that turns his mouth all black, it like is forever emblazoned in my mm-hmm. brain. Like just the way it oozes out of his mouth. I'm like, oh, my God, that's that's disgusting. Disgusting, but I mean, you gotta love it in that moment too, because like that was a small victory for Pee Wee. He didn't get ex- like everything he wanted out of that moment, but he was like, you know what? I'm gonna stick it to you anyway, and mm-hmm. I, you know, you're gonna get this trick gum. And uh, I mean, you kind of love that, and that that is foreshadowing of the fact that like Pee Wee's gonna prevail in the end because like, yeah, he lost this battle, but he left a mark, and he's gonna win the war and get his bike. Well, and he only gets access to the house with by having like a you know a, a knocker that that he that he puts on the door <laughs> that's like knocking to draw the the butler away so he could sneak in the back. So it's like every step of the way, you're like, I like this guy. He's 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 finding he's getting one up on these snooty ass people. And even when he when he reaches his lowest point, I get or one of his he's had a few low points in this movie, but one of the scenes that I always I always love and and I even tweeted out when I was watching it is the the basement scene, not, not the basement of the Alamo, but when he's like, when he's running through the exhibits and he's got everyone there and he's like, exhibit A, you know, this, the, the, you know, the thing I was buying at the store, what's the significance? I don't know. (laughs) I I love what a showcase for Paul Rubens as this character and, and demonstrating that, yes, he is upbeat and childlike and, and, you know, sarcastic and, and a bit of a loner and a rebel, I guess. But he he also is capable of, of kind of having basically, a, essentially a peewee version of a tantrum uh, yep. down there with this entire community of people that supports him. So I love, I love that moment as well. It's so funny. Oh my God. Yes, that whole basement scene. Yes, you know, exhibit A, you know, the victims of the crime. Exhibit B, what's missing from this picture? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. You know, and you could tell that he's got the crowd on his side at the beginning, but he went on way too long. Yeah. What does this have to do with anything? We've been here for three hours. Yeah. (laughs) So he totally lost them. And then he had to go it alone because he's a loner, Dottie, a rebel. He is. He is. And he he meets Mickey later on. And that's the other element that this, this movie sort of lays into place, which Big Top doesn't take advantage of, but Big Holiday does, which is, Peewee movies are sort of road movies and, and it's, they're very episodic and it's taking this character and putting him in different adventures. Once we get past like, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, it's him, him running, you know, running into Mickey, running into Simone and, and hanging out on, on a, on a, you know, on a boxcar train with an old man singing songs until he can't take anymore. He can't take another verse of Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care. That he literally <laughs> jumps off. off. Is, is there a particular sort of peewee encounter that, 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 that you really get a kick out of? Because for me, it's probably, and this is the obvious one, it's probably the biker bar where you get a, a cameo from Cassandra Peterson, a.k.a. Elvira, as biker mama, I think she's credited as. And of course, you get the tequila scene, which is called. Yeah, I was totally going to say the biker bar too. Honestly, and the part about the biker bar scene that I like the best now, tequila, I, I, I will readily admit that I spent many a childhood moment recreating that dance. Who hasn't? Right, exactly. But 
I love the bit when he goes outside and he bumps into one of the motorcycles and they all fall down like dominoes. There's just something about, and the look on his face after that happens, because it's like, oh no, this is bad. Like he has that realization that he's got to do something to fix this and then hence tequila. But like him knocking over those motorcycles, I don't know. I, I think... Maybe this falls back to me just really liking a good Rube Goldberg device, and I like dominoes too. So yeah. I, I, I don't know, but just them all falling down like that cracks me up. And the fact that they're bikes, you know, and so I think he gets, you know, intrinsically that these guys really care about their bikes because he's on this journey to find his bike. He's like, I may have just messed up all these boys' bikes, and that's really not cool of me to do. You know, so maybe it's not him being afraid of bikers. Maybe it's him being like, oh, no, these are bike people just like me. I've become the very thing I sought to destroy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And in doing so, Pee Wee inadvertently finds his tribe. He gets a jacket and he sort of joins the gang before he he heads off and then slams into that billboard. And then he's admitted in the hospital. It's a whole other thing. But (laughs) uh, (laughs) but yes. No, that's that's a good point. That the Pee Wee relates to them. Their lifestyle is defined by their bikes, just like his is. That he's he has a secret compartment in the back of his house where where he stores his bike, where he 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 still tells a good morning in that like hilarious sort of whisper, good morning kind of voice, which, <laughs> which I, I love the way that he he cherishes this thing. It's both endearing and a little weird at the same time, but but we love it because he he loves it. So we understand that when we see his bike sort of pass by in the background, we're like, no, Pee-wee, you're right there. You're missing it. It's that classic dramatic irony thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a whole thing when it just passes him right by, you know, and he's in the car with that escaped criminal and either the bike just... Oh, can we, that scene where he gets in drag to fool mm-hmm. the police officer. Yes. Oh, my God. And then the cop makes him get out of the car. I just wanted to see that pretty outfit you were wearing. Oh, this whole thing. <laughs> I was like, he doesn't even disguise his voice to make it sound more feminine. He's just oh. using the same voice. <laughs> and the way and then he leans back over the guy and is like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like he doesn't he doesn't seem particularly interested in changing out of it either. Afterwards, he's just like, he's like, this is fine. This is the it's it's interesting, and that sort of brings kind of back to what I was saying earlier. Like Pee-wee's, Pee-wee is his is sort of asexual, or like there's there's sort of a an untapped like is is Pee-wee supposed to be sort of a this might sound like a strange question. Is he supposed to be sort of a queer icon in some way? Because his sexuality feels like it doesn't exist, but then sometimes it does, and then sometimes he's fixated on Joe Manganiello, which you know, understandably. Yeah. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts on on how this character is supposed to read? I have never thought about the sexuality of the Pee-wee. Yeah, I mean <laughs> we, we all thought about it in what 1991. Yeah, uh, when my mom wouldn't let me take my Pee-wee lunchbox to school anymore after right. that. Uh and I didn't understand why because it was 1991 and I was a small child and I was like, "Why can't right. I take my Pee-wee to school anymore?" Because <laughs> he's not okay anymore. No, Pee-wee had a problem with his Pee-wee. I'm like, oh, I don't yeah, know what that means. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you know, th- this character, like, I feel like maybe Pee-wee is meant to be a mirror for whatever you want him to be. Like, I was going to, yeah. 
Were you really? I was thinking, I was even thinking like, I feel like he's meant for people to imprint on him. Uh, yeah, kind of whatever. He's a blank slate for you yeah. to sort of imprint on him. And in the way that, you know, years later, Stewie Griffin on Family Guy is sometimes seems gay, sometimes has crushes on little other, you know, girl babies, or sometimes seems completely disinterested in general. And he's either, it's undefined on purpose so that you can sort of, whatever community wants to claim him can do so. Yes. And I think Pee Wee falls very much into that category because like children, obviously, you know, aren't thinking about sexuality. Okay. So children who are the, you know, one of the primary, if not the primary intended audience for the, this, you know, the, the, the Pee Wee output, if you will, aren't thinking about you know, is this guy gay? Is he straight? You know, does he like boys or does he like girls? They're just like, this is funny, you know? And it's not until we, you know, get, you know, older and to a certain point and watch it with a more mature lens that we start thinking about those things. And, you know, I think for me anyway, I, when I watch Pee Wee, I don't watch it as an adult. I watch right. Pee Wee as a as a grown woman that understands things, but am still watching this as a child because that's that's when I first saw this. So I have literally never thought about Pee Wee's sexuality. I only bring it up because when Big Holiday came out, there was some chatter about the relationship with him and and Joe Manganiello and that kind of thing because I had never thought of it until then or either. I'm like about what that, what, what Pee Wee is supposed to reflect. And I think it's because for the most part in both Pee Wee's Playhouse and Pee Wee's Big Adventure, he, he is kind of undefined. Is he a, you know, is he, is he more of a, a, a man child? Is he, you know, what, what is his, what is his deal? And then when you get to Big Top Pee Wee, that kind of gets a little more, a little more concrete. And, and I, you know, we'll, we'll get to that in a second, but before we do that, Pee Wee, uh, Pee Wee's, Big Adventure also establishes sort of the self-awareness. There's a movie literally made about Pee-wee at the end of it. The whole drive-in sequence, the studio tour, which now as an adult, I'm, I, I'm realizing Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and a million other movies just completely ripped off this sort of traipsing through. And not the Pee-wee's Plague Big Adventure probably wasn't the first to do it either, but sort of traipsing through, you know, different sets. I mean, Blazing Saddles has kind of an element of that towards the end as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do you think of the kind of quasi breaking of the fourth wall with Pee-wee sort of running through running amok on on the, the studio lot. I mean I, I how else are you going to end a Pee-wee movie is basically it. Like it's full of vignettes and you got to think that this is going to end with something absolutely ridiculous and by the time you get to that point you've pretty much suspended all disbelief anyway. So it's not even jarring. Yeah. To see, no, it's, it, to see that happen. You get like the sleigh with Santa and Godzilla and then Lynn Marie Stewart, who plays Miss Yvonne on Playhouse later on. Obviously, another Groundlings alum. And really, she actually has roles in all three of these films. She, she's the nun in the movie who's having the issue with the child star who won't, uh. who's like, who's kind of directing the, the uh, the film or the show I forget whatever it is on the set yeah yeah I love that I love the sort of running through it it's it, it's feels very apropos of 
of Pee-wee to sort of have everything work for him in the end, but in in a way no one would have expected. And if you're going to take this character from the stage and put him on film, you might as well lean into it. Yes, that makes complete sense. Yeah, lean into the stage. You might as well throw a bunch of sets on it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> so Pee-wee's, Pee-wee's Big Adventure came out big, you know, it was a success at the box office. It's been become much bigger over time, obviously, as Tim Burton's career exploded. So did Danny Elfman's. Pee Wee Herman became a much bigger thing until he didn't, as we sort of alluded to already. Playhouse launched, I think, the next year after after this movie, and then in '88, with Big Adventure and Playhouse as these huge, like totemic children's entertainment kind of pop culture deals of the of the '80s. Big Top Pee-wee says, no, nah, no, nah, F all that. <laughs> Pee-wee's going to hang out with a circus. What are you, you know, not particularly well received by critics, I don't think at the time. And I feel like a lot of people sort of forget about this movie because, because not necessarily because, because it has to reflect the quality of the movie, but more because I think Big Adventure and Playhouse loomed so large that this kind of got swallowed up by them. What are your general thoughts on Big Top Pee-wee, how it builds on, what we know of the character from the previous film or doesn't or or kind of disregards it. I feel like in the context of all that stuff, like Pee-wee's Big Adventure and, you know, the Pee-wee's Playhouse, the TV show, what else could you do with this character but put him like completely out of context and put him on a farm with a circus? You know, I think that is the, that's the Pee-weeest thing to do is just turn, flip the whole thing over and put this character in a place where we never would have expected him to be, yet somehow he fits and has made it his his own thing. Because the animals on the farm all still love him. I mean, Vance even says so, like, because that pig can talk. Yes. <laughs> I last, you know, the, the other night when I was watching this, again, out loud to just my dogs, I was like, oh my God, the pig talks. And <laughs> I forgot. And yeah. I I don't give the switch in setting a second thought because it makes sense in its own weird way. It's like, yes, of course, Pee-wee has a farm now. No problem. People move. <laughs> Apparently, it, it, you know, in some of my research for this, the writers of this movie had sort of I guess at least come up vaguely with an idea that Pee-wee just became a big star after the movie and then retreated to this kind of retirement community and started his farm. So if you want to use that as your headcanon, you can, but it's it's one of those things that like Elvira, like the Muppets, which we're going to talk about on this podcast later on this year, like, you know, the Ernest movies, it's just Ernest goes, goes to camp, then he goes to jail. Like, there's no connective tissue between these movies. It's just this character in this situation. And yeah. in a way, I kind of miss that. Like, now we're so caught up on cinematic universes and everything's got to spin into a streaming show and all that. And that's fine for some properties, but like, literally, it it doesn't need to be everything. And I love that Pee-wee, the character, is the franchise which is why I, I sort of introduced this episode with the air quotes trilogy, because these movies other than Pee Wee have nothing to do with each other. The, uh, the music doesn't carry over the, none of the supporting characters, the setting, we have a brief allusion to tequila at the end of this movie when he's doing a sort of high wire act, but that's about it. Some of his catchphrases and his like lingo comes over, but that's, uh, it's all Pee Wee. Everything else is, is brand new. And I, I appreciate 
the the stab at, at putting him in an completely new environment. Yeah, I think it's great. I I really do, and I feel like bringing a circus in, okay, and especially the way the circus comes in, they literally get blown in. Yeah, bringing a circus in to disrupt Pee Wee's life and him just jumping in and being like, okay, I can help. And just like helping establishes his character as a good person. Cause he's like, you can use this of mine. You can use that of mine. I have a tractor, like all this, that, and the other. I'm like, okay, yes. Well, Pee Wee, he's good. He He's a pure kind of, kind of soul until we get into the whole like, you know, I'm going to leave this egg salad sandwich girl for this pretty trap, you know, mm-hmm. but whatever. But what I was getting at was the circus has the most absurd characters that you're ever going to see. And yet somehow they seem normal compared to Pee Wee. Yeah. 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 They, they, it, it's, it's kind of pitting a group of outcasts or a group of, of people that don't fit in with this town with the only other person who doesn't fit in in this town. And, it, and I, I really, I love the, the group that, that they bring in. I like, we get Benicio Del Toro as Duke the dog boy long, like decades <laughs> before he played, the, uh, he played the Wolfman in 2010. Yeah. Uh, so kind of foreshadowing, I guess, for Benicio Del Toro's career. Oscar winner, Benicio Del Toro. Chris Christopherson, I love Midge. Midge is a real hoot. The, the little, little, little woman. She's um, so tiny. And oh. she just goes in his pocket with no problem. Yeah, that that always kind of bothered me. Like, could you? Like, what does she do with the pocket? Yeah, what is the power dynamic like in this relationship? He's just like, here you go. This is what you, you know. This is where you. And I don't want to. Yeah, we're not going to talk about the mechanics of how that relationship works. <laughs> Thank you, because I just wanted to put that out there. We don't have to talk about that, but that's They're like. <laughs> A thing when that I, do, I thought about. When they're doing the walkthrough of everyone, it's like, don't touch the midgen dice. And she's like, that doesn't go for you, hon. And he's like, oh, I don't I know it. I'm like, what the hell is that about? Like, how um, that, I don't know. I, I don't know. Nope. Nope. Science? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't um, know. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's very interesting. It's like a reverse Wizard of Oz too. Pee Wee. The, the the this group of this mystical land, this group of people is blown into his uh, his world instead of him being blown into another world. This kind of how it works, and I I think, but oh, yeah, whoa, I, I don't yeah. Ha- I don't have a problem with the circus people. I I my problem is as you alluded to, we have Pee Wee in a love triangle, which you know his relationship with Winnie is comes off very chaste, and so it kind of fits with the the man child thing. But then when he gets, you know, he, when he falls in love with Gina, they're like touching on each other lots. There's a whole makeout scene and then an implied sex scene later on. This is this is where I'm like, OK, now I don't I, you know, all the stuff we just said that works about Pee Wee, about keeping him sort of asexual, his his sort of amorphous in that in that area. I, I don't think that part of this movie really works. And they really play. That's that's kind of the emotional thrust of the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 I, was, I mean. They're setting you up. From the beginning with Winnie, where what's Wee's thing with hair? Like he can't get his hands through her hair for some reason. She doesn't mm-hmm. look like her hair is a mess. I don't know. And then, then you know, it's like, oh, all of a sudden, 
I can get my hands through this, this, you know, pretty Italian lady's hair. Like, no problem. Now, as somebody with curly hair, I can say that, like, uh, just by looking at them, Winnie's hair would be easier to run your fingers through. You would think so. It's, yeah, it's it's basically, yeah, it's pretty straight, it seems. Yeah. I'm just saying. I, I, I love that Winnie has that line, though, where she's like, oh, you know, it figures you're a man. She's Italian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And Valeria Galino, for for her for her to her credit, I, I think she is pretty good in this movie. I mean, she she's as much as someone can sell that they have feelings for Pee Wee Herman, she sells it in this movie. Uh, yeah. And you know, she lashes out at him. She has emotional scenes. She gives him her father's you know her father's u- uniform from when he was used to perform. All of that, like I think she she really works. It's putting Pee Wee in that context where I'm like, I don't know what you're doing here, and I don't. It, I don't I don't like it, you know? Yeah, no, I get that. And actually, I've got to tell you something. I have to own up to this like right here in this moment. I was watching the show, the morning show on Apple TV. Mm-hmm. And she is in that show as an Italian journalist who gets with da, 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 Steve Carell's character after like a big scandal and stuff. And like they have this whole moment. And <laughs> excuse me, I was looking at her face because she's she's aged and she has done, you know, she's aged like like a woman would, you know? Right. And I'm looking at her face and I was like, I know her face. I know her face. I know her face. And then I was like, oh my God, Big Top Peewee. That was my touchstone for this woman. <laughs> and I had to like do a quick like Google double check to make sure like it was the same person. I was like, oh my God, Big Top Peewee. Wow. And so, yeah, I, I was like, so, I mean, I, I have Pee-wee touchstones for several actors and she's one of them. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't seen this movie in, I don't know, might be 15, 20 years, might be 20 years or something like that. It's been a long time since I've watched this movie and there were still, ele- I must have seen it a lot as a kid. Because as it was playing out, I was like, oh, yeah. And then this thing. And then the thing with the sandwich. And then doesn't she like start going out with all four of the Pickle of Poopalo brothers? And <laughs> indeed she does. She gets engaged to the four of them when he does it, by the end of this film. And it's like, okay, sure. I guess. Polyamorous. That's all. You do you. I, this movie is very, this movie is very horny is my, I guess my point. It's a horny peewee movie. It is. And I don't, <laughs> I don't know how the natural progression from you know, stage performance, 1980, the HBO special, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, a literal children's program, and then, you know, Pee-wee gets some, the movie, essentially. You know, I, I don't... It's it's very strange, and that's I think it's part of why a lot of Pee-wee fans who grew up with the other elements, the, the Playhouse and Big Adventure, are just collectively chose to move past this because they can't accept... Pee Wee Herman as as a sexual or romantic being because there 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 is that scene of her and of him and uh, Gina making out goes on for a while like I was still waiting for it to cut and I forgot how much of the focus is on that uh, yeah so that that's that's the one element of this movie that I it's I don't know I obviously I'm really hung up on this as you can tell I was watching I can it tell. yesterday and I was like I, uh, what why why would they 
Like even just from a creative standpoint, why would you take him from the playhouse and then put him in this situation? It's I I can only imagine just Paul Rubens trying to help the character grow up a little bit. Maybe it, thoughts as to why they decided to go in that direction with Pee Wee, and maybe they just because the circus thing I get putting him it, again. It's like the earnest thing. Ernest goes this place. Pee Wee hangs out with the circus. Big top Pee Wee. I get that. I'm surprised if that thing had hadn't happened in 1981, we probably would have gotten six Pee Wee movies of Pee Wee in different, you know, in different environments, kind of interacting with different groups of people. But yeah, from a creative standpoint, I'm not sure why they went that way. But yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes you got to go from the playhouse to the roll in the hay house. Nice. See, I would have gone. I, I, I had a Pee Wee's greenhouse joke in here because his whole mission is making giant tomatoes and hot dog trees that then become cocktail wieners <laughs> and and like magic cocktail wieners mind you as well oh my god yeah i want to make a i want to make a twinkie wiener sandwich with a magic cocktail wiener there you go well it sounds like watching these movies was had the same effect on you that the the cocktail wieners did here where you were literally a kid again so i think that's that subtext is pretty it's pretty straightforward from a from a peewee movie yeah yeah <laughs> it truly is it truly is. But no, but like to actually answer your question, I feel like putting Pee Wee in this, like, you know, romantic slash like sexual situations like happen in Big Top Pee Wee. I'm not I'm not bothered by it because you have to think about this was 1988. OK. Right. And so. Entertainment like movies themselves had evolved, you know, to the point where you almost had to have a romantic thread in it somewhere. Mm. So it feels a little forced. But because she plays it so straight with her relationship with Pee-wee, it somehow works because you you believe it. You're like, oh my God, this beautiful Italian trapeze artist fell in love with this, you know, bow tie wearing man child somehow. And you you buy it and i think the fact that it's so believable means that i i have not spent a lot of time questioning the why behind it because all of it ultimately leads up to the moment where he proves himself on on the tightrope he's like you know i've spent enough time with these people here on my farm that i want to show that i can do something in their milieu and he he does it and he does it he does it well and i i think it's it's it gives peewee the space to say like i'm honoring this thing that you do because she gave him her father's like you know performance outfit and he's showing all of these circus people that like he understands what they go through and maybe like thanking them for coming into his life and changing it in the way that that they have and you you wouldn't get that without the the romance. Yeah, that's true. It's it it it, it demonstrates also how Pee Wee's quirkiness, for lack of a better term, is proves to be an asset that it helps him sort of fit in with this group of people as well. And you know, when you look at it from the from the vantage point of the the couple, the love story that Gina's been around. Uh, working in the circus is Mace and Midge, her and a, and a man child wearing a gray suit and a little red bow tie. 
it seems comparatively normal, I guess, too. Yeah. You know, you have to put it, put it through the lens of, of, of her everyday life. And, and I think, yeah, it, it's, she does sell, she sells that, the, her feelings for Pee Wee. I think that that's, that it works from a thematic standpoint. And, and the fact that he is then able to win over the, again, snobby old white people, <laughs> The, mm-hmm. the kind of upper crust, that kind of theme coming through yet again, and is able to sort of bring them back to that kind of childlike wonder. It's like that moment in Ratatouille where he takes the dish and he's transported back. It's, I think that that is sort of at the heart of this character and everything that his show does, that his movies do for us still now in our, in our you know, in our adult years here, going back and watching these movies from our childhood and sort of being transported back and in the way that the circus used to do for people back when, you know, Ringling and, and, you know, Barnum and Bailey circuses were like, were a thing in the yeah. same way. I think, yeah, it's, there's sort of this, this ideal of, of what that kind of entertainment can do and where it can take you mentally. 100%. I, I, I could not agree more. Let's see. Is there, is there anything about Big Top Pee Wee we haven't talked about? I, I wanted to mention Liz, Lynn Marie Stewart, again, who played Miss Yvonne. She or she plays Zelda, the, the bearded woman. And there was to kind of connect it again to our Ace Ventura conversation. I forgot about the scene where Pee Wee takes the worm, chews it up and feeds the birds. It reminded me of Ace Ventura and Major <laughs> Fall vomiting into their mouths to feed the bird. That felt like a weird connection that I, I it stuck out to me this time. Is there, is there anything specifically from that movie you want to talk about? No, I feel like I feel like we covered like all of my my big points about Big Top Pee Wee, except that this movie is probably the reason why I don't care for egg salad. That's a good point. I've never been a huge egg salad person either. And I think this, yeah, it doesn't paint it in a particularly strong light. No, and like the egg salad, he's leaning on her lap and it falls on its face. Ew. Like, yeah. like it does not make it look like something you want to eat. <laughs> he wipes it on her dress. Yeah, because <laughs> what else are you going to do? It's true. In that moment, that's the only answer. Exactly, exactly. And Pee-wee's pretty, pretty, seems pretty checked out in that relationship from the word go. Like, he's just going through the motions with Witty. Oh, for sure. So that comes out in 1988. Pee-wee, Paul Rubens has, has you know, an arrest issue, which a world kind of skate past in 1991, which effectively kills the show, which now as a kid, I didn't really get it. As an adult, I'm looking back, I'm like, really? Like, I mean, I get it being a deal, being, being a, an, a scandal, but it destroyed, kind of destroyed his career in large part for a while there, you know, his main signature character. And he did, you know, he did other things. He was in Batman Returns in 92. He was, you know, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Mystery Men and Blow and like some other movies over the years. But that was sort of his his bread and butter was this character. This was his his baby. And he shelved it. I think he made his last appearance in 1992 and then didn't dress publicly as Pee Wee again until 2007. There was a lot of chatter of doing either a Pee Wee's Playhouse movie, which would have been Again, kind of him and the, you know, Cherry and Terry and Magic Screen and everyone hitting the road. And then there was also like a a darker sort of Valley of the Dolls-esque Pee-wee like biopic that sounds sort of to me like, like what Weird Al is doing with his weird biopic that's kind of kind of inspired by real life, but also just taking it in, in its own direction. 
do either of those movies sound like something you wish we had gotten? Yeah, I mean, I would have loved the weird biopic because I'm yeah. all about a weird biopic, obviously. So I, I would have totally been down for that, and especially with Pee Wee. Like, like, yeah. come on now. Yeah, we talked already about the darker edge to that character. It would have been fun to see him kind of lean, lean further into that direction. Yeah, but. Alas, that didn't happen. We ended up getting this this film in 2016, Pee-wee's Big Holiday, which, you know, big deal. It was produced by Judd Apatow and all of that, co-written by, I think, Paul Rubens and Paul Rust. And what what was, did you, when you heard about this movie, were you on board? Were you w- wondering how he was going to still pull it off in, you know, in his mid-60s at that point? Were you, what was your initial thoughts on that film? And, and do you think he does pull it off? Okay. So, full disclosure, I hadn't actually seen Pee-wee's Big Holiday until yesterday. Ooh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, I had I just had a full-on like I've just watched these two Pee-wee movies that I basically grew up with in mm-hmm. one night and then had a day to sit on them and digest them and then I watched Pee-wee's Big Holiday. And now I will tell you my mother watched Pee-wee's Big Holiday the day that it debuted on Netflix. Oh, when she caught wind that I was watching it, she started sending me quotes from it because apparently she's watched it multiple times that I had no context for yet because I was in the middle of watching it. Now, but when I caught wind of it, I was like, oh, this will be interesting. And I had made a mental note to watch it, but that never materialized. For me, just like from mm-hmm. just like being too busy and like various other things. So again, thank you for giving me a reason to watch yeah. it because I didn't, I didn't hate it. I it scratched an itch that I did not know needed scratching, and I'm now wishing that I watched it sooner because I feel like it it did a lot of things that Pee Wee does well with a with a. I don't want to say a modern lens on it, but a more contemporary lens on it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And it's clearly ewing back to the big adventure style of narrative rather than Big Top Pee Wee. You oh, know, he, he sure. he's in a small town. He's got his little Rube Goldberg-esque situation. Yeah. This one stretches throughout the entire town, which I guess everyone's cool with Pee Wee just driving through their house and and helping himself to their breakfast bar and, and all of that. I was like, okay, everyone's just kind of involved. He gives this little lady a ride on his on his on his skateboard, I think, at that point. Yeah. So, so do you do you think he pulls it off though? Is this the big thing? He's I think 65, again, he's the same age as my mom. So he's like, I guess 60, like 64 when this movie comes out, thereabouts. Do you think, do you think, can you tell? I mean, he was digitally de-aged a a lot and you can tell that much. Do you, do you feel the age in Paul Rubens when he does this character? And does that affect your enjoyment of the movie at all? It did not affect my enjoyment of the movie at all. I could obviously tell he was older because clearly he's older. I I think what got me most was the the timber of his voice. Yes. It's right. It sounded older and he's still trying to do that. Good morning. Like that, like that, that, that light kind of childhood type voice that he has in the, the first two films. And he vocally like can't do that anymore as well but as 
far as his performance of the character goes, I think he pulls it off because it still felt very peewee to me. I think you, you nailed it. It's the, it's the voice. I give you, if you look at his eyes, they look a little bit tired to me. And like, you can tell the 28 years have passed slightly there, but it is the voice. It's when he tries to do the laugh and it's just like lower and it's like, <laughs> like it's, a yeah, it's, husky like, hair. it's not like, yeah. it sounds like Pee Wee's had a rough couple years because he doesn't look <laughs> that much. He doesn't look that much different because like I said, the de-aging and stuff and his performance physically, he, he commits to it like in the way he did back in the day, but his, yeah, he can't, he can't hit the same, he can't hit the same high with the, the laugh and such a, such a distinctive voice that the character has in, yeah. in his heyday. It's it's not quite there, but it's also, you know, you got to cut him some slack. It's been 28 years since he's done a movie with this, but it's also, it, yeah, it's, it is noticeable slightly in his performance. I think definitely, definitely a thing. You seem to get really excited when I mentioned the Rube Goldberg machine. What are you, what are your thoughts on the fact that yet again, this is, <laughs> he's, this has no connection to any previous version of, of Pee-wee. We're not, we're not in his, his uh, big adventure house. We're not with the circus. Do you, do you do you do you care? It doesn't sound like you care. Do you think the head cannon is him and Gina didn't work out? They got divorced and now he moved to Fairville because it sounds like this Pee Wee's never left left this town at all. Do you think that's an interesting starting point for this character? Yeah, no, I absolutely do, and I feel like I feel like something must have happened. You know, maybe yeah, maybe it didn't work out. And then he went there and became a recluse. And it's been 28 years since he's gone anywhere and done anything because he's so emotionally scarred, you know, and he just really reverted back to, you know, kind of where he was before. And that's what leads to this this big holiday. He's just doing what he needs to do to get by, you know, working at that diner and stuff. And oh my God, but that Rube Goldberg thing at the beginning, <laughs> I cheered so loudly. I was like, this is a callback to Big Adventure and I'm here for it. So yeah, I I I loved it. I absolutely, I, I, loved, I loved the whole opening and how it took the Rube Goldberg device and inflated it. Because like you said, it's not just happening in his house. It's happening in the whole neighborhood, which right. kind of cements how he's like, He's part of the ecosystem in this neighborhood, which says that he's been there for a long time because everybody's just cool with Pee Wee Pee Wee. And yeah, Pee Wee Pee Wee does his thing. He's got his little tiny car and then he's got his skateboard. His tiny car, which has, you know, he, he's really into red modes of transportation, whether it's the scooter on Playhouse or the bike in Big Adventure or the little tiny car here. I think it, it's they establish early on that he says something happened and I have a metal plate in my head, which plays into the finale of this movie. And I think it's, yeah, it's fun to see him in this, in this environment where he's been in the same musical group, the Renegades, which fits kind of leads <laughs> back to the, the loner and rebel side of Pee-wee that we know and love. And it, it's, it feels also a little bit like kind of SpongeBob inspired in a way, because he's, I think maybe just I'm, I'm hung up on the fact that he's a, a short order cook in a diner. It feels very crusty crab to me. So I wonder if that's part of like how he was trying to, how do you create this character, this like innocent sort of man-childy character and have him connect to modern audiences? Do you feel any of that influence? Because I, I kind of saw it on this viewing. This is maybe the second or third time I've watched it. Yeah, no, I definitely got that. The SpongeBob thing actually weirdly did cross my mind because it's like, oh, OK, you know, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, he's an innocent, but like all this, you know, he's a short order cook and an innocent and all this stuff is happening. SpongeBob totally crossed my mind. But here's the thing that bothered me. And I don't know if you have this down or not, or if I'm getting ahead of you or anything, but I have to make sure that I say this. Mm-hmm. When does this happen? Because I am one of those people that when I'm watching a movie, I look at the vehicles. And all the vehicles like in town and stuff, they look like they're from the 80s or earlier. And that was like, whoa, when when does this movie happen? Are they trying to put this in, you know, like the time that the original Pee Wee stuff happened? Like what is going on here? But then you get to the Joe Manginello, Joe Manginello, and... <laughs> No, no, yeah. <laughs> and like then you find out I didn't know. I didn't know he played himself. So that was I was <laughs> I was like, what? So I'm watching this whole thing and they're like saying the same thing at the same time with each other. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then he said that he is who he actually is. And I was like, oh my God. So this is now at that point, because I'd already been questioning when is this occurring? And then I was like, whoa, okay. This is very weird. Yeah. Yeah. He asked him if he'd seen, if he's heard of True Blood and Magic Mike. Speaking of, you know, we were talking about Magic Wieners earlier and then it kind of comes back there around. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it's weird. It, it's no, I, and it, and it, it kind of goes back to that breaking the fourth wall elements of the end of Big Adventure that you have Joe Manganiello playing himself and talking about his career to Pee Wee Herman and they, they share a love of root beer barrels apparently which again is a thing that was never mentioned in any version of like this character of Pee Wee Herman is defined by his love of of root beer barrels which is a new element that we're adding to the character here yeah. and I think is is you know in, in keeping with what we know about him but then it opens with a very E.T.-esque sort of Amblin-y vibe which again is trying to connect it to trying to take you back to the 80s when Pee-wee was at the height of his powers. So it's, it, Pee-wee exists out of time, I guess, is what it is. Because you can't, he can't be a 66, 65 or whatever. He can't be mid-60s. Because that, that really breaks the, the man-child illusion. So he's got to be roughly the same age, but just updating the setting, kind of. But yeah, it, it's, it's very elusive. And I think that's on purpose. I think it's, it's supposed to try and throw you off balance. Yeah, it totally did. I was like, I, I, I didn't know what was going on for quite some time. And I liked that about it very, very much. And then you have those, the, the three female robbers. Mm-hmm. And their whole get up and the way they're talking to each other, like even in the motel room, you know, is like, oh, look at this cat over here. You know, like they're being very like old timey robber about the whole thing. Nineteen forties. They're in a different. Everybody's everybody he encounters is in a, is from a different movie in a different era. Yes, yes. And then you have oh my gosh, her name is escaping me, but she's she was in Arrested Development. Yeah, Aaliyah yeah. Shawcat. Thank yeah. you. And she's in that like mohair sweater kind of thing, which is also a very dated garment. And like you're just seeing boobs, and I'm like what is going on here? And then the way they're all talking and that she's also peewee. Yeah. I'm like, okay. And then, and then like you were talking about how 
Now, this, you're talking to somebody who watched this 24 hours ago for the first time. Yeah, I I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, I, so, I'm so glad I we got you getting your your fresh take on on a six year old movie, but you know it's relevant <laughs> to us to an, our audience, so we'll take it. <laughs> so fresh, and so I was like, her being Pee Wee. Also, then when we're talking about like the the first movie being very episodic, this one followed in that pattern, you know, being very episodic that when we left those characters, I was like, she's coming back because she is also Pee-wee. Like, I knew that. But then enough time had passed that I forgot I had that thought. And then when she came back, I was like, oh, it's her. (laughs) And then as soon as Pee-wee walks away, they get arrested, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, So we get, just to quickly kind of go through some of the, the episodes in this movie, we get the three of them Pee-wee and her thieving friends, which again, it's weird that I mentioned Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back early on, which also has a group of female thieves that cross paths with the heroes. And it's very, very kind of funny, those connections. Then you have the nine sisters that all want to marry Pee-wee. Uh-huh. Where he has to use the use the the disguise that it comes in that little box, which was just a funny joke that he's sort of manifests this cowboy outfit with a kind of you know, horse, cardboard sort of horse thing to walk out of the church with. So we get the the mobile salon, which those people feel like they're out of like a 70s black exploitation movie, which is interesting. You have Diane Salinger, who's the actress that played Simone in Big Adventure here playing Penny with the flying car. Which yeah. is so cool to see her. But she even says au revoir, Pee Wee, on her way out, which I thought was yes. a sweet callback. Yes, she uh, does. Did you clock it as soon as you saw her? You're like, that's Simone. I did. I did. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was watching this again by myself with my dog screaming. So I very much enjoyed this, like especially having been so fresh off of the first two movies. It was a delightful experience. I would say anybody watch all three of these in as close succession as you possibly can, because I had a blast. Yeah, it's it's fun to see him sort of back in in big adventure mode. I, I, I like I think he works better as this sort of force kind of positive innocent childlike force touching these people's lives as he goes on a crazy adventure and you even see towards the end like everyone's watching uh the coverage of this boy again a man boy who knows this boy who fell down a well uh everyone's sort of reacting to it and it's <laughs> it's kind of how their how their life has a, a penny is with grizzly bear daniels at that point and they're like you you know peewee you know peewee what so I, I like that Pee-wee just kind of swept through these people's lives and sort of connected them all. And we get also back to that sort of that sort of Pee-wee being that childlike disinterest in 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 the opposite sex, where he's he's yep. got Emily from the library who he's sort of rebuffing. And then all the sisters that he's sort of rebuffing. He's like, yeah, no, I have to get to my friend's party. Like he is, he's a he's a man or a boy or whatever, on a mission here. And I think the reason that it works so well, too, is that he, he and Joe Manganiello have a really strong comedic chemistry. You mentioned earlier that moment where they're like, they're saying, like, oh, the best candy of all time, root beer barrels. Second place, you know, this one. Third one, this is Charlton Shoe. No way. Shut up. Shut up. That whole thing. No, you shut up. Yeah. I love it. I love that. They're, Joe Manganiello is completely game for all of this. And I yeah. think the fact that it hangs its hat on the, whether they're going to like reconnect at the party and that Joe Manganiello is like sitting in his room sulking, waiting for Pee Wee to show up. It's adorable. The, the connection that these two have. And I think it's, 
it's probably the, the strongest sort of the strongest element of the movie from from a like, chemistry standpoint. Oh my god, absolutely! And first of all, Joe Magnano can do no wrong in my in my book. I find him delightful in everything that he does because, like, okay, it's not often that you get somebody that is as like strikingly good looking as him that is as funny as him he yep. is like the whole package of things like the fact that he could be in magic mike and also be in a peewee movie and do both well like matthew mcconaughey could not have done this <laughs> you know and uh, there's channing tatum could not have done this i've seen channing tatum try to be funny and it's not that funny and that's just my hot take on that but right like you're right. Like their chemistry, like that's what carries this film. And he is the bike. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and it doesn't, you can read into their relationship however you want. But for me, it seems more as like, look how cool this guy is. There's, you know, Pee Wee's not seeing Joe Manganiello as, as, as a sexual being in any way, shape or form. If you want to read that into it, you can, but it's not on, it's not in the, the content, in the text of the film. And I think it works that way as it kind of retains that element from the first one of us sort of being like, well, he's childlike. He's nondescript in that department. And Joe Manganiello comes sweeping in with the jukebox thing which he hits it three times. And the third one is a mashup of the previous two songs, which is super, super cool. Triple cool. Actually, Pee Wee says he does the thing with the spoon and the chocolate milkshake, like all of that. He comes sweeping into this movie and Joe Manganiello, who I, I first saw in Spider-Man, he plays Flash Thompson in the 2002 Spider-Man film, which we've already talked about on this podcast. And I also really kind of clocked his comedic chops on how I met your mother. He's in a, he's in a few episodes of that. Yeah. Early on, he plays uh, Marshall's brunch, friend, Brad. Brunch bros. Yes. So good. He's so funny <laughs> there. Yeah. And he's kind of tapping into that energy here. And it, 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 this, all the slow motion fantasy sequences of him wearing the suit and, and all of them, them kind of partying and, and, you know, speaking in Spanish and me amigo, pee-wee, all of that. I love it. It's, it's yeah. really funny. It's so funny. It's so funny. Yeah, that's that's what carries it for for sure. And I felt that upon first watch. Absolutely. We have to speak about the balloon gag, the balloon, the, the like two minute balloon <laughs> fart thing that he does, which I, I don't know where that originates from, from and, and, you know, initially, but I know it's in the the revival that they, that he did of the Pee Wee Herman show in 2011. It was sort of I, I think just he wanted to re re revamp uh, the character, and so he kind of went about it the same way he did in the '80s, with starting it like on Broadway. He did Pee Wee Herman show on Broadway for a while in 2011, and that I think kind of reignited interest and got people talking about Pee Wee again for you know from the movie side of things. So what what are your? I know you you sent me a picture of your your dog reacting to the balloon gag. What is what is it about that moment that that you think is do you think that it works so well? Oh my god! I mean, first of all, the fact that it goes on for so long. Yes, <laughs> I love a gag like that that goes long on longer than you feel like it should because that somehow makes it funnier. And number two for me, farts are always funny. So I appreciate a good balloon fart gag. That's great. 
Number three, I love doing that with balloons. And if you give me a balloon, <laughs> odds are I will do that. And then, yeah, like my my dog, Belladonna, just like that noise started happening and she went up to that TV, to the TV, like nose on the TV and did that head tilt thing that dogs do and she was going yeah. back and forth with it. I'm like, oh, you poor thing. This noise is getting to you. And then it went on for so long that she was by the TV for <laughs> such a long time. What the hell is happening? <laughs> what the hell is that? Yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was great. And so I had to take a picture and I was like, I sent it to you and I'm like, yep, this is, this is how it's going right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Is Before we sort of start tying up this, what are any, anything about Pee-wee's Big Holiday or, or any of the movies that we haven't, that we haven't mentioned any any connections or how the character's portrayal has evolved anything of that nature we haven't touched on i like i like how the first and last one have like a similar vibe and then mm-hmm. the middle one is just like kind of like weird about it it's the it's the avant-garde peewee movie i guess i guess you know if you're gonna if you're gonna yeah slap terms like that on peewee then you can't but you know uh, especially for somebody like me who hadn't seen the first one until yesterday i i didn't see that arc and that evolution until like just now and i use the term evolution loosely because the you know peewee's big holiday is more of a return to form and it's slightly derivative but i think a lot of like reboots of classic stuff like that are going to be that it's going to call on things that you recognize and do it in that way but that's okay because it still has laughs it still has a, a whole lot going for it and i mean it had me from the rube goldberg device like right at the beginning again like it just had me and i was like all right buckle up lauren like you're in for it and <laughs> i i truly truly appreciated it for what it was and i feel like If you watch, again, if you watch all three in relatively short succession, even if you do one a night for three nights in a row, it's a beautiful little arc to sit and see because you appreciate, you know, honestly, you appreciate that that the character has gone nowhere and also everywhere. And you don't get that from a lot of quote end quote franchises. So I, I love it for what it is. And I feel like, this is the kind of thing that you just have to love for what it is and like not try to shove it into any preconceived box that you may have in your brain. Yeah, no, that's that. I, my next question was going to be, what is the the franchise? And I this by franchise, I mean Pee Wee Herman contribute to cinema. What's its legacy? And I think you sort of already kind of <laughs> encapsulated some of that. It's, it, it is one of those things that like, Again, to kind of go back to my John Paragon trilogy of of eighties icons that he he was involved in, it's kind of like Weird Al. It's kind of like Elvira. Pee Wee Herman is is this constant that doesn't change. Ta- decades may pass; they are existing in the world, whether it's film or television or you know making appearances or, or music videos or whatever it may be. You know, they they just are out there. It's you know, and I, I appreciate the fact that they're still out there. And I think to that to that end, do you want any more Pee Wee Herman content? And if so, what form would you like that to take? Because, you know, Elvira is in her early, I think she turned 70 and she's still 
you know, she's still playing Elvira. She's still doing stuff. I think they're they're working on other things. She's hosted, you know, movie marathons and specials. And she's still on social media, putting on the outfit and selling merchandise and keeping that that character alive. Do you want to see the same thing with Paul Rubens? Or is, is this, should this be sort of the the curtain call on, on the character of Pee Wee Herman? I don't think it necessarily needs to be the curtain call on the character of Pee Wee Herman, like at all. I would like to see, I don't necessarily want another movie. I'd like to see more short form stuff. A la, you know, the, the, the TV show, you know, Pee Wee's Playhouse, but from this different perspective, you know, from an older perspective, from a more mature perspective, I would like to see Pee Wee without the, the de-aging software done to him. I would mm. like to I would like to see like old Pee-wee. Like who is Pee-wee as an old man? Yeah. I, that, I think that's in, a question I want answered, yeah, actually. I I think in the uh the the Pee-wee Herman show on Broadway, I don't I don't I don't think that they that's special. They don't they don't really do anything after the fact in post-production. It is just Paul Rubens as Paul Rubens, and you can see the lines and stuff more visibly. So they they're kind of they've kind of tapped into that a little bit. But now I agree with you. I think he's Paul Rubens is seemingly still around doing just fine. Like keep that dust him off and do do it. You know, obviously he has a, a relationship with Netflix at least because they did this film for Netflix in 2016. Do a Netflix special or like you know short episodes and put them out on mm-hmm. YouTube or something. Like you know, Weird Al is finding ways to to keep at it in the digital age and yeah we, we talked about all this you know we already done two episodes on your show of talking about little like appearances he's done on on web series and things like that so i mean have Wee herman keep him in the the zeitgeist in in the same way i think that would totally work i agree with you maybe in movies because th- i feel like this maybe serves as a a conclusion slash culmination of what the first one did and kind of bookends it i think yeah, I think that 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 makes sense. It's it's also one of those characters that you don't want anyone else to kind of come in and and take over either because it's so owned by so defined by one person. Yeah. Yeah, this is a very good swan song for sure for the Pee-wee character as far as movies go. But I would like to see, like I said, more short form stuff and I definitely think that there's a space for that and that kind of humor and that sort of like call back to like he can ride that wave of nostalgia like no problem but you know i'd like to see peewee try and do a put the tequila on a tiktok dance you know like peewee trying Hashtag to figure out peewee's ha- tequila challenge or something <laughs> yes have him try and do something like that and you know see where it goes i feel like the peewee character can leverage social media in a really interesting way that maybe they haven't they haven't thought of. Yeah, Pee-wee's tequila challenge would be actually really hilarious. And I think a lot of the the youngsters would get a kick out of it and it could open Pee-wee up to a whole new a whole new audience. I think so too. I I got the box set of Pee-wee's Playhouse like last year and my daughter has has watched the whole thing. She loves she loves that show. We watched when when I watched Pee-wee's Big Adventure for this podcast I, I watched it with her and she's really enjoyed it so and she's five so i'm 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 raising them right lauren i'm a peewee weird al they're not they're not quite ready for elvira but you know we'll build up <laughs> to that we'll build up to that <laughs> but yeah definitely a steady diet of 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 nostalgia of 
getting your kids to enjoy the things you enjoy. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We're going to we're going to spend eight episodes coming up later this year talking about the Muppets. So trust me, I have no problem going back and revisiting, revisiting these things. And, and oh, my them. God. Oh, my God. The Muppets. Yes, it's time to play the music. It's time to light the light. I, Hell yeah. I'm going to I will leave you with this. I had a T-shirt at one point that had Stadler and Waldorf on it, like just like very rudimentary caricatures of them. And uh-huh. it said, and it said, haters gonna hate. And the uh, wearing that, and like going to like the grocery store, or the gym, or whatever. And people were like, it would, it would, it would take them a tick to get it, and I'd go like, oh, oh. I'm like, yeah, here you go, you got there, you got there. Love a good, love a good Muppets reference. Maybe I should do hashtag Muppets every day and find buy a bunch of Muppet shirts and have that be my thing. I think you should. I think you should. I think I'll I should. tell you what, it changes your life. I yeah, I I bet I would get pretty kind of a similarly positive response from the Muppets as you do to Weird Al. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that could be a thing. Force for good in the world. More more Weird Al, more Muppets, more Pee Wee Herman is what I say. I uh, before we sign off, we have to do the ranking of this. We did with Ace Ventura it was very easy because you didn't watch, you didn't put yourself through Ace Ventura Junior Pet Detective. Lucky. <laughs> um, and we were pretty much like the first one's better than the second one. The end. What is your your ranking here? I'm assuming Big Adventure is is top. But where? What's how do you how do you rank the other two? Yeah, I'm still I'm still very much Big Adventure, then Big Top, then Big Holiday. So it's the okay. order they came out in, right. and that's not saying that I dislike Big Holiday at all because it has some very good, great Big Adventure esque moments to it. But I think Big Top Pee Wee is different enough that it deserves Mm. that number two spot because it made me laugh in a different way. So it's not the same character doing the same sort of thing over again so soon. So that's why. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. That's fair. It's big top, a big holiday works because it's been 30 years since then. It's a way it's, it works in the same way that the 2011 Muppets works. Because it's like, well, we have to start over again. Let's reintroduce this person. How did what worked last time? And just kind of recapture that magic and take it to a different place. This time with, with Joe Manganiello. Yep. <laughs> for the ride. But, but tell people where they can find you on social media and everything you got going on with the Beard Owl podcast. Oh, heck yeah. So you can find us pretty easily at beardowlpodcast.com. And if you want to check out the other shows that are in the Odd Pods Media Network with me, you can go to oddpodsmedia.com. We've got some fun folks over there, but I'm also at Beard Owl Podcast on Twitter, at Beard Owl Podcast on Instagram, and Facebook.com slash Beard Owl Podcast. Awesome. And, Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I, I, no. I, I didn't know you had more. Go ahead. Go for it. I, Your I, time. I, I didn't really have more. I'm just <laughs> saying, uh, you know, we always have fun things, uh, you know, on the on the docket for you. And we're trying to do some more fun things. Actually, we ha- I ha- I'm I've started this new series about going through Weird Al's albums that has been really really fun to do where I have my personal rankings of my favorite like one through like whatever number track on the album like from my most favorite to my least favorite and I'm comparing them with the guests that I bring on the show and those have been a whole lot of fun to do and I do about one of those a month. So you'll want to check those episodes out because they're definitely different Weird Al discussions than you usually get because you have these slightly disparate opinions on like, what's your favorite track on this album? And the reasons why have been pretty fun. So there's that. And I think now I'm done with my spiel. 
<laughs> no, I didn't want to, I didn't want to cut you off. That was your, your, it's your opportunity to, to pimp out all your stuff. So I'm glad that the, the pimpage is, is out, but yeah, <laughs> thank you so much, Lauren, for coming on to talk about Pee Wee Herman's uh, air quotes trilogy of films. When weird, the Al Yankovic story drops on Roku, we're going to have to figure out how to, we're going to have to coordinate how to get you back on this show, or if you're going to do something on your show, we'll have to figure out how we're going to pull that off. But yeah, but yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get there. We need to do some sort of follow-up to our, our initial weird episode on your show, but we'll have to figure out which venue or which form that will take when the yeah, time comes. I think, I think probably both. And we'll just have two yeah. very different conversations on both. There you go. <laughs> because that's going to be a big conversation that I would have a lot to say about. So I would say it as many places as I can. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, looking forward to that. I think that's supposed to be 2022 at some point, right? I think like so. Later I mean, they, in the year. Yeah. Like they wrapped filming in 18 days on that thing. Wow. So like, I I feel like it has to come out this year, if not early 2023. But all I know is I'm totally going to get a ball gown and watch, have a little premiere at my house for it and watch it on TV. <laughs> and uh, maybe I'll live stream my reactions to watching it. Oh, yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Sitting there in a ball gown. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, people definitely stick around for that at some point. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll stick around for pictures of Lauren's at-home premiere of Weirdly Yankovic Story. Just like <laughs> go circle your block and put a red carpet out. I don't know. I know. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to make a whole big deal out of it. Like, you have no idea. <laughs> I would expect nothing less. <laughs> big thanks to Lauren Carey from the Beard Owl podcast for coming on to talk about Pee Wee Herman and his wildly disconnected trilogy of films. Now, I want to know, what was your entry point for the Pee Wee Herman franchise, as it were? Are you, like Lauren and I, one of those people that grew up with uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse and Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Let me know. You can find me on Twitter at Crooked Table, the same handle on Instagram, and via email at robert at crookedtable.com. Also, give us a listen on Good Pods. We've been having a lot of uh, fun connecting with listeners there. Next episode, we're going to be joined by Robert Stewart of the Stew World Order podcast to talk about Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to you. For now, that's a wrap on another Crooked Table production. See you on the road. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of the little KED.